RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. It's Friday morning at Reality Check Radio, and Friday morning is political panel morning. It's been a couple of weeks since we've all been a happy little family together. Here we are again. We've got over our differences. We've had the counselling. We've all come back. <laughs> so I want to welcome Olivia Pearson. Hi, Olivia. Good morning, Paul. Nice to be with you again. Nice to have you back again. Thank you, and great to see and hear you. I like those uh, that headset you've got there. It's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Sounds good too. Marty in the panel room. Great for the panel. Marty Gibson. How are you doing? I'm nice good, to thank have you. you. Back. And uh, how's that printer of yours? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I'm, I'm, my wife always says, you're just a bit too old for the IT, aren't you? Just a little bit too old. You just missed it. Yeah, you didn't end up throwing it at the wall or anything. Uh, I came close, Paul. Yeah, I bet you did. Cam Slater. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Good. Good to see you wearing the merch. Listeners course, can't see yeah. it, but I can. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool stuff, isn't it? Very high quality. People should uh, check the realitycheck.radio uh, website, go to the store or shop and uh, get some merch. I've got a pretty flash hoodie on and a T-shirt under that. And I've got my Reality Check Radio hat as well. Okay. So um, uh, Oops, go check yeah. out the merch. In fact, next time I want everyone wearing the merch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a lot has happened just in, in the short time, last few days even. And I guess we really should start off with the news. Um, from Auckland, downtown Auckland, yesterday. Who wants to pick up on that first? I'll have a crack at that, seeing as firearms are my bag. Um, I've been you know, looking at all of the information that's come through, and there's a few things that we should note before we comment. First thing is, is that the killer is a, is a criminal uh, with a history of violent crime, Matu Tangi Matua Reed. Uh, was on home detention at the time that he committed this crime. He was monitored with an ankle bracelet. And why he was uh, on home detention was that he was recently, i.e. less than a month ago, convicted of impeding breathing, injuring with intent to injure, willful damage, and male assaults female. Sorry, home detention? Home detention. That's right. That All three of those things impeding breathing, injuring with intent to injure, and male assaults female would have been automatic strikes under the three strikes legislation, which this government uh, abandoned throughout. And the judges as well uh, have run a campaign against three strikes, um, which you know rendered the legislation almost uh, uh, hopeless because they just willfully went against the wishes of parliament. This government then, of course, removed three strikes. But but here's a guy who has a history of violent crime, uh, has been through multiple different courses uh, run by various different uh, groups. One, of course, was uh, one that the corrections minister, Calvin Davis, has been touting in speeches and in Labour Party brochures. Yeah, has been, really. Yeah, that, that uh, you know, they've been getting these... Uh, Criminals, uh, their driver's license. So when they get out of um, get out of prison, they can go and get a job. Well, this is uh, this is one of the guys who went through that supposedly successful um, training to get his driver's license. Well, and then drove to the crime scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. 
And and what's yep. impeding breathing? Is that choking someone? Choking, yeah. So yeah, yeah. you've got strangling. someone, someone yeah, strangling exactly. So he was sentenced to five months home detention on those four charges when he appeared for sentencing before. Yet the uh, guy who did the um, protest outside of TVNZ went to jail for three months. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we've got a soft on crime government that has emptied the prisons. Uh, reduced sentencing, instructed the judiciary not to send people to prison, even for violent crimes like this fella. And to top it all off, he didn't have a firearms license either, so he's illegally obtained a firearm. Where, from, where would you get that firearm? Well, you can get firearms for not much money these days at, uh, if you know a few people in the criminal fraternity. It's easy to obtain a firearm. You don't need a license. And um, but but the drive of the government for the last few years since the Christchurch massacre has been to stupidly victimise and attack the licensed firearm community, heap additional regulations and rules, all under the pretense that it's going to protect us all. Uh, brought in a gun register, uh, done all of these things. It's akin to the police trying to stop drunk driving by pulling over and breath-testing teetotalers. And criminals, and this guy is a criminal, they don't fit within a regulatory regime. That's why they're criminals. So when you add all of that together and you've got a government that is boasting on their website and in uh, newsletters that have been sent out uh, to the general public that they have safely reduced the prison population, you have to say that the responsibility for this tragedy, and it is a tragedy when people, innocent people are gunned down at their place of work, the people responsible for that are the very politicians who no doubt yesterday were crying for additional um, regulations and rules. I, I Look, I'm under no illusion here that they're going to come and try and crack down again. They'll use firearms. this, right? Yeah, they'll use it. They'll use it as... Even though their own... <laughs> yeah, when, when it's clear, it's demonstrably clear that public policy in terms of justice uh, by emptying the prisons, reducing prison sentences, having violent criminals being sentenced to home detention, improper monitoring, you know, you've got uh, people here from the police to corrections to the government, all are directly responsible and have blood on their hands as a result of this tragedy. And it was entirely preventable because... If this guy had been sent to prison for those, wouldn't have uh, happened. It wouldn't have happened. End and it's of entirely story. preventable. Oh. But as usual, they'll go and try and say that it's the firearms community that caused this. All right. Anyone got anything more to say on that? <coughs> well, just you know, I mean, the, the seriousness of of um, impre- impeding breathing. I mean, it was that law was introduced because <coughs> it it was a. a pretty uh big red flag that someone who was strangling someone was was likely to go on and and kill someone or certainly great doesn't seem to matter much these days though does it we're starting to see um some of the stuff hitting women you know like uh and i think you know we've had a fair while of um of um the men i guess feeling that the law was tilted against them and now women are feeling the same thing and i think probably men need to resist the urge to think, well, you know, you don't like it so much when it's you, does it? And and kind of bury the hatchet and realise that we've got a common enemy. I just wonder um, if 
I think it's okay to say this, if it was a Pakiha uh, offender, whether he would be at home with a bracelet. Well, the interesting thing here is Merrimah Davison, remember, exclaimed rather loudly after the Posey Parker um, debacle that she helped orchestrate, that violence in New Zealand society was perpetrated by cis white males. Well, you know, this guy is not a white male. No, that's what people like Marama say because they know that actually a lot of the crime is... Uh, not with cis white males, and it's it's that classic projection they're always doing to flip the narrative into a lie. Well, that's one word for it. I mean, yeah, you could just call it lying. And, yeah. and I guess we often say, "Hey, that's a lie." They don't care. No, they don't. They don't have. It's a become clear that they don't care. No, well, I mean it, it, it's come from the top down. Remember that uh, debate ahead of the twenty seventeen election with Jacinda Ardern exclaimed that she'd never told a lie in politics and didn't believe that she would ever need to tell a lie in politics, which, of course, was a lie. was a lie. Um, Interesting, though, how the world has taken notice of this one because of the um, World Cup going on. Um, So everybody or anybody that's got a team here from Norway um, right through to other countries have all um, made this their lead story in the news um, because, of course, they send their 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 young women over here to compete and before you know it there's a mass shooting happening in Auckland City which it never used to happen this kind of thing. There there was some massive overreactions in this though you you had Auckland University cancelling all classes and everything when this was right at the bottom of town it had nothing nothing to do with where the university is located secondly at eight minutes past eight it was all over there was 200 armed police in the bottom of town. Arguably, the CBD was the safest place you could be um, <laughs> short, short, shortly after 8 o'clock. Mind you, we're talking about police with firearms. So. People get very excited in these situations. I've seen it before. And, yeah. and you know, they really, they really run away with the situation. You know, they get very excited. Yeah. I remember sitting in a, in a bar or outside bar in Venezuela and um, a gunfight broke out about two blocks down. And people sort of stood up and kind of like meerkats and wondered what was going down. And then we all sort of sat down again. Did a bit yeah. of rubbernecking and then yeah. went back, went, went back to business. A big deal. Well, I had the same similar sort of thing in Thailand when I was visiting uh, the old capital. And some idiot decided to rub, rob a jewellery store that happened to be right next door to the police station and was about to leap on the moped to get away with his two-stroke accomplice. And uh, both of them were gunned down literally 10 feet in front of me um, by the police who just wandered out of the police station and sorted it out. <laughs> and everyone carried on shopping and stepping around the increasingly and growing puddle of redness that was in the gutter. <laughs> it was Goodness. quite astonishing to see that everybody just, oh, oh, okay, another burglar got shot. Never mind. Should we talk about... We'll get to some international stuff shortly. Should we talk about undercurrent? Yes. Sure. Who wants to say something about, well, I'll say something about it. The record stuck. The record stuck. The record stuck. The re- this is nothing new. It sounds like, I've listened to the first episode, it sounds pretty well like Fire and Fury, same sound effects, same, same creepy music, same everything. They've done it before. i tell you what it shows, shows me, Paul, is it shows me that 
the establishment, let's call it the establishment, because that includes politicians as well as mainstream media, are afraid that there's a great number of people that aren't taking their bullshit anymore. Mm. And so they're continuing to demonize to other, to... uh, Because propaganda only works when it's constantly repeated. Yeah, but it, but this is a concerted campaign, not just in New Zealand, but in other places around the world. You're seeing uh, the Biden government uh, working hand in glove with Facebook, in particular. They're no longer able to work with Twitter. Twitter's told them to go go fly. Uh, you're seeing uh, exactly the same tactics uh, about misinformation, disinformation happening in the Trudeau regime. You're also seeing it in Australia, uh, in the various states, but also from the federal government, from from Albanese's government, and in the the UK as well, you know, and you're seeing this anytime someone says something that's contrary to the approved narrative, all of a sudden you're described as being a disinfo or a misinfo purveyor or super spreader of such. So so there's this coordinated event that's occurring in the world that is seeking to censor, uh, silence, and uh, prevent people sharing alternative views. Mm. And it's sinister. And It's, and, it's very and, sinister. And, and it's <clears throat> being driven largely out of the WHO the WEF and the United Nations. And you really have to question whether or not, you know, if you're talking about censorship in such a strong manner, you know, having people really being censored or or debanked, including in that, uh, for having alternative views, then we're, we're living in a dark world. And we always said that with the pandemic that it was a it was a practice run to see what they could get away with, and it turns out they could get away with a lot. And now we're seeing the results of that. Um, that uh, first episode, I would have to say, listening to it, it's all about politicians pretty well, and how insecure they're feeling and how unsafe they're feeling. So the quiet bit is sort of being said out loud. It's they are feeling the heat. I go back to what you just said before, Cameron. They're feeling the heat. I think they're a little bit scared. Maybe well, I mean, we, need, maybe we that, need to turn the burners up a bit more. And and if you act like a tyrant, if if any leader acts like a tyrant, and of course they all did, <clears throat> you are going to get a um, pushback and a real anger that hasn't been seen before um, from your populace, and that's what's happened. And remember after the protest in 2022 down in Wellington, that glorious protest, Um, which we have forever as a cultural uh, thing that Kiwis did to push back against tyranny. I'm still so proud of it. Um, But the one thing that was really clear was that you can't can't handle people in this um, tyrannical way without them really turning around and hating you. But they're all sounding surprised, like... Well, that's that's what I, I, I don't think they're happened. surprised. They're frightened. Well, they're I frightened think, because yeah. that, that, that's yeah. what they know they deserve it. Yeah, you know, she thought she was the savior of New Zealand, and then she went on holiday at Tyra and found out no one wanted to talk to her. No one they were crossing the road to avoid her. That she was actually hated, and it was 
she was scared and frightened and bewildered as to how this could happen. That's what prompted her to resign and quit and run from New Zealand. With yeah, she couldn't go them. anywhere without being heckled and heckled by, let's face it, a lot of them were Maori that heckled her. I remember that woman that um, saw her getting out of a van and, you know, started yelling and her daughter was in the car filming it and she went, oh, look, mum's going to get arrested. (laughs) (laughs) I I think we're at that stage, you know, the Chinese have got that um, saying, when the map is unrolled, the dagger is revealed, which uh, is some assassination on an emperor, assassination attempt, and was done by concealing a dagger and a map that they got past the guards. And and I, I think we're at the stage now where if you've got eyes to see, you can see that there's a, as you say, Cam, it's coming from multiple angles and um, the, the play is being executed. And um, and so they're just going hell for leather to get it done. And, and, you know, there's still quite a few people who can be kept in the paddock by being told that they're crazy or they're going down a rabbit hole. But, um, the, you know, the devil sends the beast, beast with wrath because he knows that time is short, you know. Um, the... With Radio New Zealand involved in this particular production and this close out to an election, it could be argued that this is ethically unacceptable to be kind of <coughs> promoting a certain, I don't know, what would you say, left, right, probably over those definitions, but a certain narrative in a very persuasive way using all the production techniques and the power of a national broadcaster that's been around for, what, 100 years, this close out to an election. Is there... Are there ethics involved here? Well, how many right-wing shows are on national radio? So that would be none. Yeah. I mean, the responsible thing to do would be to not make these productions so close. It's like holding them accountable for lying. They don't care. Ethics is a county in England, isn't it? (laughs) I think the cabal is going hard out because they've been so shocked at the pushback from the freedom communities. Um and freedom-oriented people, and 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 aside from the freedom-oriented people, there's just the normal New Zealanders that are actually just sick of the stuff, um, and the cabal are going hard out to um, push and propagandise constantly because it worked so well for them during COVID, but it's not going to work for them so well as they seek to do other things like three waters, five yeah. waters. I mean, there's the ESGs. Um, crapping out as well yeah investors are running from esg um and so yeah as as i said you know they they know time is short they know that the momentum is starting to push against them and so they're going to pull all the levers yeah yeah they're going to put we're going we're going to see all those levers pulled and they're they're ghastly and they're they're awful but um they look really stupid i mean it's like fire and fury kate hannah the woman just does not come across as intelligent um, useful idiot. She she keeps going on about yeah. having you know all this qualification, and as she says, white supremacy, white but supremacy. I, but I think we're wrong and, to call her an idiot. These people are very deliberate at what they're doing. And didn't what say she was an idiot. Yeah. No, I I think she is an idiot. Oh, okay. I just think that they're well-funded no, idiots, which give them power that they wouldn't. I, I know, but they they wouldn't have they wouldn't have a shit show of getting away with what they do unless they were well-funded and well-protected. Well, it's all about the money. 
It's always all about the money. You can still be an idiot but be um, uh, achieve your goals because, you know, you've got the right people around you and the money to do it. Yeah. You didn't get an apology out of Winston, Cam. I didn't get it. You didn't get it either. So, (laughs) Well, the thing is. is How are you going to explain yourself on that? He's moving, Paul. That's what I said, baby steps, right? You've got to. Look, if you've had a politician that has been certain about a particular position, and it doesn't have to just be the COVID situation. It could be anything. If you berate them and yell at them and scream at them, and they just they just dig in, right? Yeah. If you approach it on a logical, sensible way, you can say, "Well, okay, would you ex- it out of them? Would you accept that the evidence that we have now would suggest that those things were wrong to have said?" Then you get them moving in it. You know, it's it's hard to move a, a stationary object. It's a lot easier to change the direction of a moving object. And so, you know, that interview with Winston was. You know, I tried to get him to get a little bit further along, and I think I achieved that. It moved a little bit further along. He did say he regretted it, Cam. Yes, he did. Yeah. And, and I suppose that's a bit of a And he did take yep. ownership. And you've seen plenty of politicians have deleted tweets and pretend they never existed. And uh, he says he owned it. You know, yes, it was somebody else who did it, but I, it's under my name. And I Mind you, there was more that. than one. Well, that's right. There was two or yeah. three. That, that he, was a fudge, him saying some other person. That's what he said to me, out. too, but, but I let did, him off of that. Yeah. But, um, but he, he did, did say, say he had that, to own it. Yeah, and, and that he regretted it. So not quite an apology, but... Um, We're on second base now. We know. <laughs> <laughs> two to go. Look, the thing is with Winston is that he was the only politician that bothered to go and walk around the protest in Wellington. Uh, he sure he wasn't in power at the time, um, but he also eschewed the attention of the media in doing it. He refused to talk to them. He refused to take the stage. He was not there to grandstand. He was there to listen. And, you know, that whole protest in Wellington need not have ended the way it did if only they'd come out and listened. Oh, but the schoolgirls were having eggs thrown at them, Cam. Well, show me the evidence of this. And that, there that, was that was always literally Luxon and Seymour have said that. So that's yes. that's but, but, double proof. But literally there were thousands of cameras. And yet mm. because you know, there Why was would those all, two use the same excuse? Well, because it was convenient. It's like Did they the collude. I oh, will use the schoolgirl excuse, okay? Because yeah, everyone, because no one's going def- to be able to defend. I mean, all you, you know, terrible yeah. people throwing. No eggs. one likes people throwing eggs at schoolgirls. No. Yeah. But but I mean there was it's almost a lot worse of, than impaired breathing. Yeah, there's a lot of things that were were said, and no one's ever critically examined them. Do you remember the day before the jackboots came storming in? We were told in you know hushed tones with you know deep music in the background that um, pitchforks pitchforks had been seen as a weapon. Oh, you know, well you know. When the police moved in and, and booted everybody out and stole all, the, all of their possessions and wrecked their livelihoods <clears throat> at that time, where was the lineup like they do after they have a drug raid of, oh, these were the weapons that were found in this yeah, raid? Yeah, there, were, there was none. There, there was none. none. There was oh. nothing. There's all BS. No, there, right? weren't, there weren't pitchforks and machetes. and uh, That's why pitchfork. But did everyone <laughs> just sort of 
I like, oh, hell, the police are coming. Let's abandon ship and take all of the weapons with us so they've got nothing. You know, this is the yeah. thing. We were lied to. We were gaslit. Because they would have lying. lined everything up if they had it. But getting back, Seymour, getting back to Seymour, getting back to Seymour, Seymour, if if Seymour has to speak a, a woke language and go with woke in order to get power, Seymour will do that. Yeah. Um, you know, what about his replacing Chris Bailey with Todd Stevenson? Todd Stevenson is now, you know, he is the most LGBT blah, blah, alphabet um, um person out there and and he's in love with Pfizer um you know he's right in with all that stuff and Seymour has gone down that road putting him as a list MP um whereas the other guy Chris Bailey was at least very solidly anti-woke um if anybody votes for Seymour thinking he's going to fight the woke evil I can you know, I've got a bridge to sell you. He's never no one's going interested, to do that. Mate. No yeah, one's interested. No one cares mate. about you, mate. No one cares, mate. Let me tell you about David Seymour, right? Yesterday on, on my show, um, I had Shane Jones and Matt King on. I tried to have uh, the ACT candidate, Mark Cameron, who is an MP, so he's an elected MP, on the show. He never replied to any emails, any text messages. I even directly uh, tried to contact David Seymour. And previously, before he's picked up the phone and spoken to me, he's been to my house, even um, attended a staff barbecue. We've got a a convivial working, you know, relationship. And those text messages to David Seymour and attempts to phone him went unanswered. Well, and, you're off the um, Christmas card list now. Yeah, um, but... You know, this is a guy who who has run a roadshow around New Zealand talking about freedom of speech, <laughs> and has has lectured and hectored people about freedoms, and yet he prevented his own MP in Northland from talking to Reality Check Radio. So the thing that I've said in my show yesterday is if these people and these politicians, and Christopher Luxon's exactly the same. I, I actually managed to speak to the national candidate uh, in Northland, and it got him to agree to do an interview. And, ha- and less than half an hour later, he was texting me back saying, oh, no, he's not allowed to. So you've got Christopher Luxon, who wants to be the prime minister for all of New Zealand. You've got David Seymour, who wants to be in government for all of New Zealand refusing to talk to Reality Check Radio about uh, about a vital uh, electorate in the election race. For uh, and I'll tell you why they won't. <clears throat> I'll tell you why they won't, because so many people listen to the replays that they're worried it will damage their chances. Well, That's why. But so many people are now going to listen to the replay of me explaining exactly yeah, that, totally. that, that these two leaders don't want to talk to, uh, you know, 150,000 listeners. Because they know they can't answer certain questions because they know they'll be put to them, and when they're put to them, they won't be able to answer them, and that's a very bad look. Yeah, and they don't debate. I mean, debate debate is off the table. And they know people like you and me and us will say, well, hang on, why aren't aren't you answering that? you got something to hide? Exactly. And it's about it's about 250,000 people that we know of 
um, not one hundred and fifty thousand. And the more the more that I watch everything unfold in New Zealand, the more I realise that Reality Check Radio is representing the majority of the quiet, silent majority of New Zealanders. But, and here's the reality check. So that's who check. they won't speak to. Yeah, yeah, and that's the reality check for these politicians. They will not speak to 250,000-plus people. They will not listen to us. They didn't listen to us in Parliament. They won't listen to us now. And yet, you know, they've wrecked people's jobs. They've wrecked people's health. They've wrecked people's careers. Families. They've wrecked people's businesses. They've wrecked people's families. And now... They're coming to us and begging us to give them their job again. Yeah. But they won't listen to us. And so my call out to our listeners is that if they won't listen to us now, then they sure as hell won't listen to us when they're in power. And the best thing that we can do is not vote for them. That's a very good point. If they're not going to listen now, they never will when they're handed their power back. No. What, what's that he, line? Sorry, he sorry, didn't Mark. want. Uh, a single anti-vaxxer vote, didn't he, a, a couple of weeks ago? No, we, was we, he, we were all nutters. Lux, yeah, Luxon said he, he didn't want any votes from anti-vaxxers. Oh, well, that's easy fixed. You know, all the listeners of Reality Check Radio, if you think voting for the National Party is going to solve any problems in New Zealand, then you're sorely mistaken. Mm. You're better off to pick somebody who's going to represent your values. And sadly, it's not the National Party and it's not the ACT Party. No, and but, so, and in saying as, that, Marty, in saying that, it shows you're just not fit for leadership. You're just not well, fit. I'm not, I, I wouldn't say I'm an anti-vaxxer either. Um, so I've had every vaccination known to man. I've yeah. travelled around Asia, but I didn't have that one. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they can't handle the truth. To use that line from the movie, they can't handle the truth. You can't oh. handle the truth. It's that's true. They they can't. There's these approved things you can talk about. And they're trying to sideline, you know, Paul or me or any of the other hosts on Reality Check Radio. Well, let's see how that works out for them. And we're not hostile. No. We just want the bloody answer, you know. And if I'm wrong, I'll put my hands up. I'll admit it. It's fine. Mm. I'll take it. You know, be a man, put the, the big boy's trousers on. But they can't do that. It's a constant refrain of mine as well, Paul, that, you know, I'm not necessarily uh, here to argue that I'm right at all costs. I'm, I'm primarily arguing that we should have the debate. Yeah, Give exactly. me more information. That's what I always yeah. want. There Give are me information that will allow me to change my mind. Hmm. Yeah. But that shows you how far down the rabbit hole of uh, – tyranny and fascism that we are is that we are very, very clear. It's been obvious for ages that the debates are not allowed. Debate is, debate is the thing they steer away from. Have so you noticed how your, your search results have changed on, on you know, when you, when you search something that, that might be contentious, you just get pages and pages of official government sites. Yeah. I've noticed it a lot lately. I've it's noticed really that changed too. in the last couple of months. Oh, they must be desperate. (laughs) They must be feeling the heat. All right, let's move on. And um, Olivia, I know you want to touch on this, and I've been following it as well. More Trump indictments. They really are using lawfare. They're doing everything they can to stop this man from having another shot. And it looks inevitable that if he can go all the way, he will. Well, I mean, well, he's he's still the favoured leader for the Republicans. I mean, he outstrips anybody in the polls. I mean, he's not even really bothering 
um, with the uh, Turning Point USA and all that sort of stuff that the other people are turning up for. Trump just knows that um, he doesn't have to, um, although he did turn up to make a speech at that. But, um, yeah, yet another round of indicting Trump about the 10th one. Um, we know these folks are, are not going to rest until they have Trump arrested for insurrection. Um, for, for January the 6th, which was uh, such an obvious false flag pantomime that was clear to me on the day. I remember actually turning the telly off when that unfolded. I remember thinking, I'm just turning this off because this is lies and I could recognise a false flag when one was in front yeah, of me. Yeah, I'm the same. I, w- I was the same too. I, I thought, oh, I can see what's happening here. Yeah. No- um, normally I back away slowly from people who mention false flag, but I have to agree with you on the January 6th. It was clear the FBI was the actual people that were inciting, uh, you know, all of that. It was- yeah, and, and if you knew about that kidnapping attempt on the governor, was it Illinois governor? That was about um, six weeks, two months before that. It was the same. It was a rehearsal, essentially. Michigan. Um, yeah, or Michigan, one, yeah, one of those states. I know yeah. the woman. The but, but, yeah, mm. but they they had the infiltrators there, the agent provocateurs. It turned out that uh, I think six of the eight who were involved were actually FBI agents. Yeah. So if you knew that that had happened, you could kind of see what was happening. And there the guy, the guy that they had worked on to do an act of violence, was it Kirsty Noam? Kirsty Nome, no, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, they were begging him to do it, and he was saying, "Hey, I don't reckon this is a good idea." They were inciting him to it. He yeah, said, "I don't do want to." He said, "I don't want to see the woman hurt or anything like that." No, um, no, he totally. But they needed like, it to be as dramatic as possible. You see, yeah, it was such an epic fail. But anyway, hmm. so this uh, new one with Trump was is um, honestly, it's just another psychodrama, and. Um, I, I, so we've had, you know, in April it was the, um, the the improperly classified payments for the in the 2016 election that Alvin Bragg in the Mount Manhattan district wanted to, um, you know, get Trump um, on that. Then in June it was the mishandled documents from Mar-a-Lago, and now in July Jack Smith, the prosecutor for the DOJ, and he is Merrick Garland's. Um, aggressive little, yeah, he's his bitch. Hasn't that guy um, Merrick Garland got the weirdest voice you've ever oh, heard? Oh, he's just he what is, a creep. Sorry, he, but what he, a creep. He's, Lindsey he's, Graham's got a worse one. No, he's got so, oh, Lindsey Graham. Merrick Garland's like the um, exemplar of that phrase, the banality of evil. He's got that horrible he's, voice. Well, and he's a little. Whipped. It's sort of like this. It's like yeah. this. Sort of he's like a, this. He's what I would call a blank. He's a blank. They're weasels. Um, but they're yeah, all weasel. puppets. Yeah. But anyway, um, so this new one, um, you know, this is all to just, you know, they're going to target. The, Trump got a letter saying that he's the main target of the January 6th grand jury investigation, and they gave him four days to report to the grand jury, which always means an arrest or an indictment. So he's just ignoring it at the moment. And, of course, we know it's all to distract from the actual crimes of the Bidens, you know, like the White House Coke gate. The, the, Biden, and, the Biden crime family. Yeah, and Hunter's pornographic dealings with, um, well, M- I mean, multiple, multiple, maybe yeah, even Yeah, I mean, who, who can even go there? That's, yeah. Um, and it's also, just gross. It's so gross. But I want to say on the good side, on the good side of this, because it's great to see something positive in the world at the moment. Um, one of Trump's most stalwart, stalwart new defenders is the Republican primary candidate, Vivek Ramaswamy from Ohio. He's cool. And he, 
He is so vocal about the fact that what we're watching is this obsessive compulsive need to persecute Trump. Um, and he's saying that what we're watching happen to Trump is the most dangerous thing happening to America that we have ever seen in the history of the country. And I agree with him on that. Um, he recognizes that having Trump removed in this relentlessly underhanded fashion is bloody well un-American. And if they can do that to Trump, they can and will and are doing that to anyone um, including people like himself. So I like Vivek's integrity on this, and it really matters um, because I'm not hearing the same integrity from any, any, anyone else um, who's running as a Republican candidate. Um, to quote, Vivek said a couple of days ago in a tweet, he said, I believe the federal administrative police state is preparing to invoke the insurrection clause from section three of the 14th amendment to disqualify Trump from running in a way that past indictments technically have not been able to do. This isn't theoretical, quoting from Vivek again. He said in New Mexico, County Commissioner Coy Griffin was removed from office after his election for merely being physically present at the Capitol on January the 6th, even though he was peaceful and did not even enter the building. That sets a very dangerous precedent for states like New Mexico to keep trying to try and keep Trump off the ballot. And a prosecution by Jack Smith would only strengthen their argument for doing so. Um, Vivek concluded that with saying, it is un-American for the ruling party to use police power to arrest its chief political rivals. Do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, amen to that. And just to remind everybody that the um, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, and I'll paraphrase um, succinctly, says that no person can hold office in the United States if they have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. So now you know why the Dems and the Rhinos have been so desperate to make it look like an insurrection. Um, they want to. They they went to great trouble with the FBI to make it look as if Trump uh, was involved in an insurrection. Where he but there's all the evidence of him calling for calm the day before, saying we have to go peacefully, telling people to disperse peacefully. There's so much evidence. I know, but Paul, like we were discussing with what's going on they here. Lie. Yeah, they lie and they just the media just keep parroting, parroting, parroting because propaganda only works when you keep repeating it. So they keep repeating it. I guess I guess as just a human being that's, you know, in my early 50s, what I am so shocked at uh, from being raised in the free world and then watching this um, push for totalitarian, what I'm so shocked at is how the media propaganda works. It flipping works. Well, did you, you see know? Tucker Carlson destroy Mike Pence at the yes. family? It wasn't that great. You know, wasn't was that fun? That. It's so easy. Thought, you know, if we had better journalists, we'd have better politicians. Yeah, but um, but, what, but what's so? If I'll, I'll just finish on this, Marty, and I'm happy to go to that um, because yeah, that was great. Um, but I want to say that Vivek Ramaswamy is running for president, Trump is his opponent, yet you couldn't get a more stalwart um, uh, man of solidarity than Vivek um, saying, hey, 
we can't let this happen to one of our opponents. We don't want to win this way. Yeah. We want to yeah. win on our own merit. Well, what happens if not if, because Trump's taken out? What if they do take Trump out in that way, and his popularity? I can see big problems, civil unrest problems for the United States. But maybe they're happy to let that happen. Well, know? if they do yeah. take Trump out, and you know they're bloody well going to try in every way available to them, at least there is someone like Vivek in the race who can mm. pick up um, the supporters of Trump because he has been loyal. And it's not loyal to the man or the cult of personality. It's loyal to the, I'm trying not to swear, it's loyal to the flipping principles of the republic where you, we do not make war on our, on our uh, candidates in this way. You do not use the power and the apparatus of state to take out an opponent. It's just so wrong. Well, nobody's saying the words out loud for what this really is. And what it is is a nonviolent coup d'etat. Yeah, it's a coup. It's a it's a six year it's a seven year coup now. Like a rolling mall. Yeah. Coup. Starting with Barack Obama with all the transition team spying. Eh? Well, how much how much how many levers is he still pulling behind the scenes? I would say all of them. I still think that man's president. And his husband, Shadow I mean, president. wife? Yeah, the man. Well, I mean, you could Michael. argue the crew started Michael. with um, JFK getting shot, you know, and that, that um, mm. you're seeing the same players uh, keeping the rolling mall going, as you said before. Very true. I mean, you know, well, you, it's, you asked it's, about, it's you asked arguable about the media, that they Olivia. Had a, you yeah. mentioned the media before. I can tell you. And, and this is no secret that when I was at RNZ, most of the journalists there, the new sub-editors, they all had Trump derangement syndrome. Oh, they, look. they couldn't handle it. And when I told them that he was going to win, they they literally went crazy. Like uh -huh. I was, you know, well, good on and, you know, Susie it. Ferguson was one of those. Uh -huh. so I, bet, I bet she was. I went into the into print in the Gisborne Herald saying he was going to win. I, I, uh... What sort of reaction did you get from your colleagues, mate? Oh, you know, they were used to me saying out there okay. things that were, you know, I thought I was right mad in the fullness of time. They said, You're mad. You're crazy. I said, yeah. No, I'm not. He's going to win. You watch. Well, I mean, uh, and then, of course, know, they could never admit that, that, that they, because they think they're Einsteins, that they were, could ever be wrong. So it was very awkward. No, but they, but the, I spent four years writing about the Trump presidency and Cam published on the, republished on the BFD all of those articles. So there's a long track record um, of of the amazing president that Trump actually was. But going into that 2020 election, I wrote a piece I think four days before the election saying, you know, as surely as night follows day, the Democrats are going to cheat. And right on cue. We got all the what what the, the what their Nikki Haley when when going to your point, Marty, when at the, on, on that event um, where Tucker got to interview all these candidates, Nikki Haley, they call it the anomalies and irregularities. What a euphemism mm, of the election! Down. That was out and out fraud, and and uh, you know. China was behind that fraud on all those election uh, machines and the printing of the ballots which were being flown and there there are affidavits testifying to that. And what about the missing postal truck? How dare <laughs> with how, quarter yeah, of a million ballots? Those <laughs> sorts of things. Yeah, how dare people like Nikki Haley um, uh, sit there talking about them being irregularities? You know what a 
oh, makes me And people so used angry. to say no court has ever found, no, no court ever gave them standing yeah, to even yeah. present the case. That's yeah. what happened. That's what so happened. So it never, ever got in front of a court. So no, they weren't heard. Yeah. Yet three Supreme Justices, including Clarence Thomas, Supreme um, wanted those, um, they wanted those court hearings to be heard because they knew that that was fraud. So, you know, and good on Trump. Who would have the heart to do this all over again? But could we safely say then, are our elections here secure? Look what happened in 2020. Okay. Did 400,000 national voters, I mean, I don't know. I'm just asking the question. Well, Michael Michael Bassett said it was fishy. Well, well you got to question it. What sort of tabulations involved? Do no, we know? No, let me weigh in here on this because I've got a lifetime of seeing how elections stand work. back. Cam's going right. to weigh in, right? I've had this question. I had this question um, yesterday when I was visiting someone. That, you know, could could we have these tabulation errors and all of these things? Here's the thing, right? Every polling station in New Zealand has scrutineers at it. And the scrutineers are allowed right up to and can handle voting papers, right? So they are seeing from the whole day through, they're watching how people vote. Are people being unencumbered with their voting? Can they put the ballot into the ballot box uh, without any interference, all of that? And then when the ballot box is opened by the returning officer in each polling station, You've got members of New Zealand First, of Greens, of um, ACT, of National, of Labour. There's there's people in every polling booth that are seeing those tallies being done. And as they do those tallies, they're reporting back to their head offices that at this polling booth, polling booth number XYZ in, in, you know, Epsom trip, whatever, they're reporting back those numbers into their party and in the regions and the party, they'll have a, uh, an organisation that'll be saying, right, now, this polling booth at the last election voted this way and in the, in the last election from that voted this way. Are we seeing something that's massively different here and is it out of the ordinary? Is they're being able to see that as it goes. And so yeah, they, well, fair get, enough. they yeah. get a running total of all of those votes. What about early voting? Well, early voting is a little bit different because, yeah. you know, you've got all of that. But... Even at the early voting, the it's still being scrutinised in the same way where there are scrutineers from the political parties that are observing each of the ballots as they're being counted. And so they get a number and you're not relying on faceless individuals who are coming up with a number. You've actually got multiple eyes on site. Okay. So I actually don't believe that it is possible to have the I thought 2020 trade. was fishy, kind of fishy. No, I don't believe it is. I think there's just a whole lot of stupid people who believed the the relentless propaganda that we were saved by this dopey woman um, who sit, likes to say comrade a lot and tilt her head and flap her arms and her gat and her gums. What about what all the what, what about all the cuck old men that went along with it too? Yeah, but, but Cam, here's my question: um, Is that are you saying that? Once those ballots are counted and they go onto the machines to tabulate, and then that information gets placed to the news, goes out to the news channels where it gets reported as the event happens, the election happens. I know in America that a lot of people said that the problem was not the ballots, it was the fractionation of the vote. Yes. The we don't do that here. We the don't digital do that. voting. Well, they can have capitalist machines. How, do you really know that? Yeah, I do. I look, I. Honestly, it's 
in New Zealand, it's too New Zealand's too small. We there's a reason why two degrees was called two degrees, right? Because there's two degrees of separation. So if there was some dodgy stuff going on like that, people know. People know people who know these people things. know people are dying from the vaccine, but they're not saying a damn bloody thing. Sure. But the thing is, is that if there was if it if it's a, a huge number of votes, it's really hard to try and turn that around. Right. And if you say, oh, well, but what about local body elections? Well, my argument for that is if it was rigged and it was in favor of somebody, and it's generally in favor of the left, they, they like to cheat, have double votes, do all of the, they've been doing it for years. Right. There was the infamous only, only hunger, you know, recount and all of those sorts of things going back decades. It's always the left that are doing it. But if you say that we've got this tabulation error and there's a possibility that, that you've got an election that could be rigged, how did Wayne Brown get elected against Defiso Collins that the entire establishment said was going to win? How did Wayne Brown get elected? Maybe they were too relaxed yeah, about that's, it. That's, that's right? a very fair question. Yeah, right? okay. So, you know, if there's a tabulation <laughs> issue, like you're saying with fractionated voting and those sorts of things, Olivia, and, you know, they're valid questions to ask and, and you're entitled to ask those questions. But bear in mind that the two major parties, National and Labor, know the numbers before it ends up in the tabulator. And if it was vastly different from the numbers that were actually physically counted and witnessed by their own eyes, they would be squawking and nobody's squawking. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so, mind you, the difference between Labour and National is not much. If you're controlling it from the big picture, you wouldn't care who either one yeah, of them is. In, that's in right. The, I mean, it's just changing, changing the shirts on the same globalist team, really. You've well, got the well, offensive well, team and the defensive team. The offensive team's the Labour Party, the defensive team, uh, you know, reflecting the status quo is the National Party, but they're the same team. Okay, um, probably got about 15 minutes left here. Um, let's talk about another current president, Putin. Uh, this is an interesting one. He was invited to a BRICS conference in South Africa, but there's that International Court of Justice warrant out for his arrest for war crimes. Am I right with that? And yeah. uh, that means if he'd travelled, we covered it in our news yesterday morning, if he travelled, they would have had to have arrested him on arrival in South Africa. So he's doing it by Zoom. Well, they wouldn't have to arrest him. Oh, they wouldn't? Okay. Well, it would be a choice, um, but Ramaphosa in South Africa encouraged him not to come to South Africa for the BRICS conference because he may be arrested and because they've signed on to the Rome Statute, um, which is all part of the ICC, the criminal court. um, But the US never did, did they? No. Uh, and uh actually or maybe in the end they did but I might need to check that I'm not yeah, I'm okay. not entirely sure but here's the thing is that um you know they went on to say that you know the people that are baying for um Putin to being arrested for war crimes they said Ukrainian and western authorities say there is evidence <laughs> of murders and executions shelling of civilian infrastructure child abductions torture sexual violence and illegal detention. 
And I thought, God, it's hard to know whether they're talking about the US. Yeah, is that Zelensky's lot yeah, or what? Or France or the Ukraine or China. All this goes on in the US now. Think of all those people that were at the Capitol that are sitting there and rotting in prison in solitary confinement without being represented. I mean, you know, these things are happening in France as well and in Ukraine, of course, and of course in China. Um, I mean, that particular list and child abductions, anybody? I mean, we're, they're happening all over the Southern world. Southern border, USA. Yeah. Um, and But I wanted to say that a successful uh, war crimes prosecution requires a very, very high standard of proof in a situation where access to suspects and crime scenes is often uh, extremely restricted and there's an overlapping jurisdiction between national and international courts. Just to give you an example of how hard it is to successfully prosecute war crimes, um, uh, the woman Mary Fulbrook wrote the definitive book uh, called Reckonings on um, the Nazi atrocities at the end of the Second World War. And she wrote in there that between 1946 and 2005, um, only 567 individuals throughout Germany were sentenced to death or life imprisonment for their actions in the Holocaust. Um, of the hundreds of thousands of individuals who had been involved in the machinery of mass murder and the six million people, Jews, who died in what we now call the Holocaust, 164 convictions for murder is not an impressive total. No. And she, she added that the total number of persons convicted under the Federal Republic, which was West Germany, for Nazi crimes was itself fewer than the number of people who had been employed at Auschwitz alone. Gee. Yeah. And there was Operation Paperclip that the US got, you know, Werner von Braun and all those guys over. You got all the Japanese um, um, biological scientists who did all those terrible things in Manchuria and... Very few of them were ever brought uh, to, to um, justice for war crimes. So war crimes are hard to prosecute, and Putin is not going to attend the BRICS conference now. He said he won't. Um, according, well, that's according to Western media, since Ramaphosa doesn't want the conflict of interest. And, I mean, who can blame him? It sounds yeah. like there's a bit of respect there for um, Putin. Uh, there is some Putin, um, like there is TDS, there is some Putin derangement syndrome. Oh, yes. There. In fact, there's a lot of it. It's um, not I would just Putin derangement, Paul. It's Russia. Russia. It's Russia. And that you came know, out of the Russia, Russia, Russia thing. Well, before mm. that, I mean, the West. No, that's where it really was ginned up. That's why I've got people I know spouting all this crap. They, they're obviously not informed. Um, I, I would have to say, from what I've seen with, of Putin, is that he fronts up to journalists. He actually answers tough questions. Um, I, we don't see any of our politicians doing that ever no, and if you look back at the history of why they're in ukraine well yeah i would have been um, a bit grumpy that i'd had these moves pulled on me as well so what do you do you know? well i mean but but the russia derangement actually goes back to the british when you know there were territorial disputes. I mean, Crimea was one of them, um, hence the Crimean War in the late 19th century. But it goes back to um, the Brits certainly have something up their ass when it comes to Russia because of their, um, because of um, under the Indian Raj, the, the, the Raj days, you know, uh, um, 
Russia was trying to take territory there and influence territory there, and there were wars all over the place. But, but the Brits, I actually think the UK is more anti-Russia than America is. Well, Boris Johnson scuppered that whole thing, didn't he, uh, on a day yeah. visit. When, but the British were left bankrupt after the Second World War. They only finished paying the reparations for Lend-Lease in the year 2000. They yeah. lost their empire. And Russia, yeah. without Russia, they couldn't have won. There's so, also a legacy they, of the They Cold were hanging War, on to their they empire. They probably blame Russia the, for being bankrupt. They, they were hang, the Brits were hanging on to their empire by the absolute skin of their teeth after the First World War. But, I mean, this is a legacy of the Cold War, too, where we essentially brainwashed generations of Kiwi, of, of not just Kiwis, but the Western world to despise Russia and China uh, without actually looking into the details. And yeah, communism's a, an evil, malign, you know, mass murdering um, uh, ideology. And, and, it, and it was bad, but the whole way it was done was, you know, Russia is evil, China's evil, all of these sorts of things. And, of course, the UK had numerous of their rather squishy, soft, liberal-type um, people that were Russian spies. Um, yes. And, and, yeah. and who, who you know, some of them escaped back to Russia and, you know, lived, lived a frugal life um, under communism, uh, even despite the fall of communism, were still living there. And they were, you know, outright, um, you know, underhanded, sneaky little sniveling communists that were uh, undermining British society. And so th there's this mindset that is, it's understandable after all the, so many years of the Cold War of trying to defeat Russia and China that you've got these you know built-in biases that doesn't allow people to actually start looking at, at a modern Russia and seeing, is there anything there? Now, I'm not on Russia's side. I'm not on Ukraine's side. I'm not on anybody's side in all this. I think a pox on all of their houses. But the way that we're being driven towards a global war based around the Ukraine and in Europe is shameful, and it's so transparent it's not funny. And I just wonder how people – well, I don't wonder anymore. We, we've, it's just relentless propaganda, isn't it? That's just driving we've people into We've just thrown in another 4.2 million. I don't something. understand the historical, um, I, I understand aspects of it, but this real anti-Russian um, uh, derangement syndrome that's been in play for a long time. I think it's Trump. Is, it really came no, on. No, no, but Trump. going, I, I'm thinking. I know sorry, it's I'm, going back, but it's really I, come on since Trump. Yeah, no, I am. But I'm thinking of the last hundred years. Um, obviously, the Bolshevik Revolution, sure, they deserved everything they got after that. But even before that, that there was such a snobbery toward Russia yet because they weren't quite European. They had a lot of French influence. and But their music, I mean, you've got the Rachmaninoffs, you've got the Tchaikovsky's. You've the, got, the geniuses. Yeah. Um, and you've got... First into um, space. Dostoevsky, you've got Pushkin, all the brilliant writers. I mean, Russia contributed massively, massively to um, cultural beauty and of, a Christian of the country of the Western canon. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, then that the Russian Orthodox. I mean, I can't get enough of um, Rachmaninoff. I can't get enough. I can. I, I listen to them every every week. Oh, um, me, Amadeus. No, no. Yeah, yeah, but 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 they. I mean, you, you've never had composers like that come out of America. Out of New Zealand. You've had very few composers John come out Hanlon. of Britain that are of the um, stature of the Russian composers. So, Benjamin Britten. 
there was Benjamin Britten and Elgar, you know. Um, apart from that, the greats, the, you know, they do not compare to Tchaikovsky and Rachmaninoff. Um, people should respect um, Russia's contribution to Western music and Western art and literature a bit more than they do. And what was so sad was as soon as Putin um, did the invasion of Ukraine, you know, glorious- It wasn't an invasion. Oh, sorry. Um, it was a special military, military operation with 80,000 yeah. troops. Can, there can never be an invasion. But, the invasion's and, yet to come. But Anna Netrebko, the glorious soprano, and my favourite composer, Valery Gurdjieff, they all had to ditch their um, uh, schedules for um, opera all over Europe and go home to Russia, and they were pressured to condemn their own country. Yeah. And they were only allowed, Anna Netrebko was only allowed to sing in Europe if she came out and made a statement against Putin, and she refused to do it. Um, Authoritarian totalitarianism coming through there again. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, I think um, we were chatting before, Marty, you were interested in what's ha- happened in Spain's election, and that is what a, like a directional pointer for something that's going on. Maybe you should just... Yeah, well, I mean, it's, well. it's a broad movement um, of, of several e- EU countries. Sweden, Finland and Italy have also recently elected... Um, and, you know, we, we were talking before we started about, you know, the, the muddiness around what's left and what's right. And I, I define it these days as left as more government, less freedom, and right as uh, less government, more freedom. And I, I think um, there are quite a few people from left and right, as you would have known from the protests. You know, there wasn't a clear uh, political or racial bent to them. But, yeah, there's... there's uh, been a um, a big, you know, Spain's um, left wing government has has was defeated initially at a local level, uh, very heavily by a combination of the Popular Party and Vox. Um, was that Catalonia? Uh, it, Catalonia was one of them. Um, Vox is is held up as the more right wing. It opposes abortion rights. You know, it's got that denies climate change. What it probably denies is. Uh, printing lots of money to send to countries that are still making coal-fired plants as a way of battling climate change, uh, and rejects the need for government to co- to combat gender violence. And I'm sure you can work out what that actually means. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean stopping wife beaters, right? No. <laughs> uh, it means stopping speaking derisively about men in dresses. Fox um, and frocks. Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, and it's, it's interesting reading this because the, the, um, I think the, the article, one of the articles I read was out of Associated Press. They really, they just were swinging around and, and just shrugging their shoulders about why it was happening. And I think Wayne Brown's election, um, that you spoke about earlier is probably a signal at that local level in a similar way in New Zealand, isn't it? People are just saying, man, we're going to go broke. Um, yeah, so th- that's uh, that's going to be interesting to see. It's the first um, right-wing um, government elected in Spain since uh, General Franco died in the 70s. Wow, okay, that's significant. But, but, but was Franco right-wing? He was a fascist. So uh, so I'd have to argue that he wasn't right-wing. He was supported right. by the National Socialist Party of Germany. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Right, so... 
But right. I mean, back, but 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 also, Frank, remember, I've noticed a lot with the Spanish elections. They they're constantly trying to say, oh, they're reviving Franco. But I mean, Franco overthrew the what they called Republican, and it's not Republicanism like America has Republicanism. It was Republicanism that was more aligned with Soviet Russia. What mm. What's interesting now is the the flipping of a people's republic. In other words, yeah. What's interesting is the flipping of the sides that support civil liberties and freedoms. You know, traditionally, mm. uh, we've seen civil liberties being pushed by the left, freedom of speech, and, you know, we, we can't have, you know, we saw in the 1951 waterfront dispute here, we had a, a Tory government that was stopping the freedom of people to protest you know, and, and and strike and all of that and crushing it with Massey's Cossacks and, and all the rest of it, right? We had all of that sort of thing where the, there was the conservatives and the right-wingers that were stopping freedoms. You had the left that were pushing the anti-apartheid uh, thing with South Africa. They've always been at the forefront of the civil liberties. So what um, happened? So something's changed in the left. They've become more totalitarian. They, they probably were always there. But they've now removed the mask, and you're seeing the Democrats doing it in the United States. You're looking at Trudeau doing it in Canada. You're watching Albanese do it in Australia. Happening here. We had the Ardern, um, Hipkins regime that are still doing it. Uh, you had you've you've got the likelihood of that occurring in the United Kingdom, even though you had Boris Johnson who did some appalling things while he was Prime Minister, um, including the way that they controlled the lockdowns, etc. It seems that the political classes and elites of society have decided we can't be having things like freedom. That's why we're seeing a push for, you know, censorship of the internet, controlling, um, you know, labelling of things as misinformation, dif disinformation, because they're they're petrified that people will learn things uh, that are contrary to what they're actually trying to pimp to us. And so you're seeing that swap, and then you're starting to see conservative politicians coming out and saying, no, I actually support freedom of speech. Um, you know, you're seeing people on the right of the Democrat Party, like like RFK, saying the same sort of thing. And these they're getting a lot of traction because people really are sick of the elites telling us what to do. It yeah, seems, I mean though, the followers of, of the left are the easiest to brainwash, sorry to say. Well, that's because they they are too emotional in their language. So they've been you've been able to influence them by talking about um, feelings, lots of feelings, yeah. and and what's that hurt. song? Feelings. Yeah, well, there's also a lot of feeling. money, you know, and, and you well, can it's buy easy a lot money of too. Easy money. If you, yeah, if you've got easy money, if you've got cheap energy, and and it just makes the whole. Uh, I mean, how hard do you think they work at the disinformation project? They turn up for work. What do they do? They have a few coffees, have a, something they call a meeting, exchange a few what little word salads, and go yeah. home. Oh, no, really, you missed out. You missed out. Another two k in the tin, right there. No, you you missed out washing your hands at the little. Oh yeah, okay. It it comes down to um, every every totalitarian government, whether they're left or right, or you know fascist or communist or whatever, they they are always claiming that they're acting for your good. 
right? And, well-being. And, the greater yeah. good. The greater good. And I'm going to give you this and I'm going to give you that and you're going to be Safe. happy under this. And really, it's like, please, just leave me alone. Just let me act for my own good. I'm quite capable. As like a smothering adult. mother. I've got a yeah. big... I've Very smothery, mothery. And all we need them for is to sit there and protect and secure and keep secure our individual rights. Give me an aloof we don't dad. do the rest. Yeah, you know, I there's a lot of criticism about the Gaddison flag, you know, in the United States, the famous yellow flag with the rattlesnake saying, don't tread on don't me. Don't tread on me. I don't love Don't tread that. on me. Appeal well, to heaven. Yeah, so... The, that sits on the wall in my in my apartment here, right? There's to always remind me that the government is not acting in our best interests and that our refrain, people who listen to Reality Check Radio, uh, people who love freedom, we should have that refrain to tell the government to get the hell out of our lives and don't tread on me. Mm. And I think that's very, very important. There will we called conspiracy theorists and right-wing nutjobs for for that, but if you look at the history of that flag and what it stood for, it's very powerful. It's very, very powerful. powerful. Have you seen the um, beautiful HBO series called John Adams? No, I haven't. Oh, have any of you seen that? No, I don't watch that sort of TV. I'm afraid. Oh, you must. It's the <laughs> it's the whole it's the whole um, putting together of the Continental Congress, and Thomas Jefferson's in there. John Adams. It's the most. We got any airplanes in it? It's got no no airplanes, but it Too does have a that. balloon. It has a balloon. Oh, a balloon. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but worth a watch because how that was put together with the founding fathers, Alexander Hamilton's in there. Well, they even anticipated the situation that's happening now, didn't well, they? They Back were, then? weren't they? Well, just... I don't think they quite saw. Well, they said that you know, as something along the lines is as much as you think you can control this. Well, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when you think about those drafters of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were some fine people, really. What were they, what were they on? Yeah, <laughs> they, they saw that stuff you get quite, from cactuses. They saw quite clearly that a rampant state uh, apparatus that would subjugate citizenry, and they put in place a written Constitution where the primary the, the First Amendment, the primary rationale behind the whole creation of the United States was that it was based on freedom, freedom of speech. And the Second Amendment, people don't understand this, the reason why the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, is there to protect the First Amendment. If they go so right, if somebody yeah. tries to come and suppress you and subjugate you and terrorize you from the state, then that's why you've got guns and that's why you've got a militia and that's why you've got the ability to fight the state back. All right. I think that's uh, about time is up for us this Friday for the political panel here at RCR. Thanks, everybody. Great to be with you again. Have Thanks, a great Paul. weekend. All right. Thanks, Thanks Paul. See you, Paul. See you later, guys. Bye, RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.